Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy. We are covering a movie on the show you guys maybe thought we would never cover. It does break many of the rules of Action Movie Anatomy. Right now, we are going to break down maybe the most classic film in the history of America, Star Wars. Stick with us, guys. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. What? What is this? <laughs> We're still drinking. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. It's almost just a fist bump just hearing that at the beginning of the movie. It's, it just I'm, takes you back to being <laughs> a child. Spoiler alert, it's my fist bump moment. That Whoa. is it. Whoa. Yeah, 100%. Show's ruined. <laughs> There's no, like, there are a few things ever, ever that get me as pumped up as hearing that music. Like yeah, there was an awesome video that surfaced online a, a couple months ago. It might have even been a year ago. Of these two high school uh, high school band students that went yeah. outside of uh, his house, John Williams' house, and played the music. Oh, oh I saw and that. Then, that and really then he good. comes out after like a minute. Yeah, he's standing in the door, and then he comes all the way out, and he walks up to him, and he just, he literally he's like, "That's pretty good." And yeah. then you can just see the kids, and the mom is like losing her shit. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of my favorite videos. That's incredible, uh, guys. Guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. We're here on the Popcorn Talk Network, talking pop culture by the bucketful. We are talking Star Wars today on Action Movie Anatomy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons we're talking Star Wars today. One of them is that on the Schmodown yesterday, you watched our match drop against Team Trek. Uh, <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, remor- memoriam of Team Trek, we thought we'd cover the better franchises, I said, a week ago. Absolutely. Um, and who better to be here than our good friend, Mr. Alex Kessler? A man who lives, guess. eats, breathes, and dies with Star Wars. It's true. Literally had it for breakfast, had yeah. it for dinner. Ben's like, Alex is coming on the show. I was like, are you sure that's a good idea? We like, <laughs> only have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so let me give you my 17-page yeah. uh, novel about Yeah. So, guys, uh, we talk action really movies on the show. Those action movies generally are here to four basic rules. Uh, interestingly enough... In 110 episodes, is this the first time we've ever gone pre-81? Or did we do it once before? This is the oldest movie we've ever done on the show. I th- I thought that maybe we did like a 79 or something, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think this might just be the only time we've ever gone before 81. Have you guys done Jaws yet? No. No. I, although I, I feel like it follows all your rules. Maybe, yeah. It, it does, and it's super interesting. It's the, He's a cop. The biggest thing, or one of the questions we got asked online is, is this the most important summer blockbuster that's ever happened? And most mm. people responded, Jaws, actually. Yeah. Well, because that, that's the first. Jaws yeah. is, like, the first ever. And then yeah, Star Wars considered. was the one that made it a thing. Right. It's like, Jaws is like, oh, this is a thing that can exist. And Star Wars is like, oh, no, this is a thing that will exist forever. That will forever. exist yeah. for years. Um, so, yeah, guys, 77, uh, before 81, which has always been the soft rule. Number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Who is the hero of this movie? Is it Luke, 100%? It's R2-D2, right? Yeah. <laughs> he right? plays by his own rules. He doesn't yeah. follow the rules. He is the only person to show up. As a hero before the 15 minute mark, other than Princess Leia, I feel like if you're talking the day. plays by your own rules, I feel like C3PO has a lot more sass. Though. Yeah, he sure does. Well, but he's the one with the rules, and then R2D2 yeah. like runs off into the distance. He's like, I'm not going that way, and then so Luke really doesn't play by his own rules, and I think it's it's fair to say that Luke is the hero of the story. It's he almost it's almost more so like in in this one. It's it's actually Ben is the is the hero. Kenobi's the hero. I yeah, think Obi Wan is, and I think the reason is is because. He's really one that kind of drives the story forward. And if we had to pick someone to follow all the rules, 
He, yeah. he fits it to a T. It's true. He is the action movie badass. He, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's smarter than everyone. So rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. That's one of the greatest things about this movie. You get yes. the confrontation demonstrating that they are the two smartest guys in the room. Even in death, Obi-Wan right. is still the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, and you're just... Oh, God, the whole movie, I was just waiting. I'm just waiting for that moment. Yeah. It's just... It's, it's incredible. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Um... Uh, I mean, well, he he's a, a Jedi he's knight. He's a knight. Yeah. That's a political police person. And then there's the Empire, yeah. and that's as that's a military yeah. organization, as military as you can get. It's fair. And we'll always make sure <laughs> space Nazis. <laughs> uh, and four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion, at least one exploding planet. Um, yeah. And, and I, an exploding not a moon. Yeah, there's yeah. lots. Yeah, yeah. There's, of course. There's th- I mean, it's a space movie, sci-fi. Yeah, there'll be yeah. like 10 X-Wings blow up. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a Y-Wing. Maybe um, three Y-Wings. So it fits really well. When's the last time you guys watched the trailer for this movie? I oh, didn't even watch it in preparation for this. Is it really bad? I just don't think I've even seen it. Oh, no. It's it's like, it's <laughs> it's really dated. 70s. Can they do a And it's like, it's like really small Star Wars text in the background and zooming, and it's only voiceover of the guy, and then like TIE fighter explosions, and that's the entire trailer. Yeah, let's cue it up. Yeah. Hey, everybody in the chat, by the way. We're very happy to have you. Century Fox and yes, George the Lucas bring you <laughs> an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Stop that ship! This is fantastic. <laughs> I'd forgotten how much I hate space travel. Here they come. It, like, doesn't... As a kid, the hairstyles and the styles, like, didn't feel 70s to me. Yeah. <laughs> the story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. <laughs> so, <laughs> this isn't the... This is the, like, the trailer that came out later. The first okay. trailer is just that voiceover yeah. on black text. Jeez. It's a big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. That guy's great. Such a shit weasel. He is a great shit weasel. Yeah. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force. It's it's an empire that he actually kills someone, right? It's a spectacle. The Gamora. Gamora. It's, an epic it's a bad trip. <laughs> it's like very bad and very long. Yeah. <laughs> and villains. <laughs> and aliens <laughs> from a thousand worlds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so like all of the voiceover yeah. is now like spread out with a bunch of stuff in the middle. Got it. Like the original was just that logo and his voice as it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Star Wars. With like a billion years in the making. Blue? Uh, the, no, the lightsabers. There's a weird like light effect. They don't look like they're colors sometimes. Because, yeah. yeah.
gave away the entire movie. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, guys, that's the trailer for Star my Wars. My thesis is that's the worst trailer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, guys, coming up on the show, we have a lot to talk about today. We have a whole bunch of AMA questions because a lot of you guys responded in the chat. We have, or we're going to rank every single Star Wars movie in our personal opinions. We're going to have a discussion about who should replace Colin Trevorrow with the news that he has dropped out of Star Wars Episode Nine, And finally, mm. a discussion about Harrison Ford and is this his career-defining role coming up later on the show. Let's get into thesis statement, guys. This is the part of the show where you, you share an opinion, your thought. Your thing about Star Wars that if somebody brought up Star Wars at a party, you'd be like, well, let me tell you why I know the most about Star Wars. It's this opinion. And then you would share it, and they would back it up, and that's what you defend all throughout the show, and that's how we do this. So uh, I'm going to just I'm just gonna go ahead and throw to Kessler first, as he is the guest of the show. Right. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I'm just going to get this out of the way. Ben is a huge Star Wars fan. I've been a large Star Wars fan my whole life. In comparison to what <laughs> most real Star Wars fans know and what Kessler knows, we are infantile in our knowledge. Yeah, so just know we, we cover this. We cover this just like we cover every other movie on the show. Just like we love movies. We're not here to teach you things about Star Wars. No. We're here to talk to you about how much we love it. I'm so. pretty sure Kessler did the re-edit of all of the prequels <laughs> once on like a on like a work vacation. Oh, yeah. You, did a re-edit you of can tweet face. at me and I can send it to you. Yeah, you did like your own re-edit. <laughs> yeah, so. it's way, they're way better. <laughs> what, do you, <laughs> what do you got for your thesis? Uh, my thesis is that if you want someone to like Star Wars that has not seen them and they are an adult, do not show them this movie. Start with, just tell them, watch Empire Strikes Back, and then if you want to watch other ones, great, but don't feel the pressure of watching 16 hours of content. Just watch this first one. It's the best one. It's the fifth one. Watch that one. You think that Empire Strikes Back is just a better launching pad than the first Star Wars movie? No question. And and part of that is, this movie is so ingrained in pop culture. If you look at the Family Guy movie, or like the Family Guy re-edit, there's so many different versions. Like You can be like, do you know who Chewbacca is? Yes. Do you know who Luke Skywalker is? Do you know who Princess Leia is? Do you know Han Solo is? Great. Okay, and that's all you need to know. Like, like you, every person on the planet knows who these characters are, and the story arc over this movie is more about introducing them, and it's a great movie. It is dated, though, and if you just have them watch the fifth one and you take the pressure of it away, they'll watch the other ones. Do you think that Empire is significantly less dated? Yes. Really? Yeah, it is. It's really interesting because... You and I have had this conversation on the show many, many times about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah. and because I think in different points of our lives, we've all had a different favorite of Lord of the Rings, yeah, and we sure. both come back to the original is our yeah. favorite. Yeah. Uh, Two Towers was my favorite for a long time, too, and then yeah. it became Return just for a little bit, and now it's for sure Fellowship. It's interesting because I, I don't disagree with you. I think that as, to, to present this, it's true. It's like we already know everything about what you need to know in the first movie. You know, So if you go in and you watch Empire, it, it is much more exciting, whereas like when you watch Fellowship, there I don't know, it's it's something about watching it for the first time is so important. Whereas like with Star Wars, I don't think you do need it. it and with Fellowship, Fellowship of the Three Movies is the most concrete single movie. There's like a beginning yeah. and a middle end. The other ones are all kind of a little bit of a jumbled mess. So when you want to just like watch a movie, Fellowship is easy to accomplish. With Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie, A, everyone kind of knows what happens yeah. inherently, even if you yeah. don't. And B, Star Wars 1 is slow. Yeah, and the, you, Luke favorite, doesn't show up until 20 minutes into the movie. Totally, and your favorite things about Star Wars 1 is, is all, for me especially, when you go back and watch it, is all based off nostalgia. Yeah. You know, like that Obi-Wan Darth... Showdown is 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 awesome, but the it's so epic because we've been watching it for thirty years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we had a similar conversation when we covered the Bourne. Well, now all five of them on this show. And for the longest time, I believed that the Bourne Ultimatum was the best Bourne movie. I think it's the it's the it's the coolest. It's the best put together. It looks the best. It feels the best. But when we went back and watched them all, it was like. 
Born Identity just established everything, and it was mm-hmm. way more classic feeling. And watching back, it was like this is just the best one by far. Like even even if it's not as good of a movie as the third one, it's not as masterful. It's just better because everything that we came to understand like about the third one, you had to have in the first movie. Yeah, you don't. You're not as beholden with all with that as like when they made Identity, they're just making a single movie, right? And there's a strength to that. And Star Wars is different. Purely from the fact that Star Wars is Star Wars. It is the most culturally relevant movie probably ever created. Um, And beyond that, Empire is just a a more easy-to-digest movie for people that are coming to it. There's a reason people have avoided Star Wars if they're 25 and haven't seen it or 30 and they haven't seen it before. And when you're trying to get them to watch it, people have tried the, oh, you need to watch it in this order. You need to watch all of them. You need to watch episode one through six first. You need to do the machete order. No, no, no. Just watch one movie. Here's the best one. It's not right. as dated. People, everyone says it's the best. Need. And if you like them, I would love for you to watch more, but you don't put the pressure on them. Right. Everybody believes that Empire is the best movie. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go in and say that the <laughs> Does DVD... everybody agree with that? What? Everybody thinks Empire is the best I mean, movie. it's like pretty much consensus opinion like about the Star Wars. Like 100% of people. Like uh, 95% of people. Like if we, we're all going to rank I would say there's Star an Wars. age limit. Like if you're older... If you were alive when the movies came out, Star Wars 1 is your favorite. Right. If you were... Uh, born after that point, and you are under the age of eighteen, Jedi is your favorite. Well, but and if you're over the age of eighteen, Empire is your favorite. I think it's a different <laughs> conversation. It's the whole greatest favorite. If if you're objectively ranking what's the best movie, Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie. It's the most compelling. It's the darkest. It's hmm. the least campy. It doesn't have the flaws that the other ones have. If you're talking favorite, it isn't my favorite Star Wars movie. And when we do our rankings, we're going to do favorite. And it's not going to be number one for me. But in terms of, like, any list, anywhere, it's always Empire. Like, pretty much 100% of the time. Okay. So um, so my, my comment is, the DVD remasters have aged every bit as horribly as predicted when they first came about. And even worse every year. And watching it this time... Watching it this time, this is the first time I had sat down. I actually dug the DVDs out of my closet. I usually just rent movies on Amazon, but I was like, you know what? Disney doesn't let me rent movies. I have to pay $18 to buy this. <laughs> Good thing I have the DVDs in my closet. And I bought, like, at least 10 years ago. I bought the, the set at Costco. And I queued it up, and I was just like, I understand that the originals, that, like, the original stuff. Are like, so when, dated. Yeah, I get it. Like, the lizard beast that the stormtroopers are riding or any of that stuff. Like, I understand the original probably looks a little worse than this, but at least it would feel like it belonged in a movie made in 1977. Mm -hmm. When you introduce CGI in the late 90s, inevitably, 20 years later, it looks like bad CGI because it's 20 years later. It does. It does. But I I, want to, I just got to jump in and say that, like, I honestly think for me being a person, and and when I get into my thesis, you'll understand why I'm going to present it this way, but like not being the hugest Star Wars fan, going back and watching it remastered helped me. Really? Yeah, because I remember watching it and it's like, I loved watching Star Wars growing up. It was one of my favorite things to watch with my sister, but going back and watching it now after not watching the original one in maybe 10, 15 years... The datedness of the the graphics in a sci-fi epic yeah. do pull me out of it. So even though the digital remastering or whatever you want to call it, the, the re-release yeah, DVD, the, the updates, special edition, yeah. the special yeah. edition, like even though it's still kind of shitty CGI now, it still is like it was here and now it's here. You know what I mean for me? I mean, I, I just don't agree. I just I, totally I, like, well, like like. Hey, I have a question. When was the actual last time either of you saw the original editions? Until now, it had been a, like ten oh, years. Oh, oh, the originals. You're the actual about... like before special edition remakes, before DVDs. Like ten years. Those haven't been released. The I, only way you can watch them is if you have original VHSs, and you have to have them from before nineteen ninety five. And you can find them streaming online. And I, I, yeah. I watch scenes. That's what yeah. I did to, sure. to, to you check. You watch scenes, yeah, to check yeah, yeah. Because like, no, okay, you have comparisons, yeah. Because Han walking over Jabba's tail. 
hill and yeah. then basically like cutting him out and then moving him over and back down was like what is this? What's, what did you guys do? This is horrible. That doesn't... Well, those things I think are ridiculous. Like Han shooting first is getting changed and like stepping on Jabba is stupid. But the, the things of the actual graphics like Jabba and, and the flying and even just the lightsabers, for instance. Yeah. It just helped well, me personally and, that, and the blasters as yeah. well. And that's one of the reasons Empire, I think, of the special editions and in general ages really well because... The big changes in Jedi and A New Hope had entire scenes added. Mm. You had the weird musical number Ugh. in Jedi that's awful. You the worst have scene in all the stars. Yeah, all stars. Uh, you have you uh, you have the the job of the hut scene in, in on a, in A New Hope. But in Empire, pretty much all they did was like they added windows in Cloud City. So instead of just like weirdly futuristic stark white hallways, you have windows and cl- so you see the clouds behind them. You get slightly updated spaceship effects. You get you get to see the the fighter pilots have windows in them that you get to see the, the actual pilots inside of them. So fair enough. As far as changes go, those age better than actual CGI characters. Um, yeah. What do you got? It's interesting. I want to almost just say the crawl is the greatest use of exposition ever in film because it just saves me a whole movie. Uh, but that's not my thesis. My thesis is <laughs> as never has such an, a great franchise's legacy been so tarnished by its follow-ups. I literally stopped caring about Star Wars because as a child I was so betrayed by episodes one, two, and three. And you, I was the biggest Star Wars fan growing up. And before Force Awakens, you were you I, were against it until a week before it came out. I remember it. I still didn't want to watch it when I, I watched it. And the first time I watched Force Awakens, I hated it. And, yeah. I, and like my roommate fell asleep and we left. I watched it a month later and, and I adored it. Yeah, I saw yeah, it with yeah. my family. I saw it with my sister, who I'd watched Star Wars with my whole life. But again, never has a great franchise legacy been so tarnished by its follow-ups... The reason I say that, and it's funny because it's starting to come full circle because I actually like Force Awakens and Rogue One, right. but it also took me 20 years to come back around. Yeah. I was, again, I was so betrayed by episodes one, two, and three, and there's still even good moments in episodes one, two, and three. And as a kid, I was excited for episode one, and I saw it, and I loved Darth Maul. I had the poster. Like, right. I was in still. It was episodes two and three that I was just like, what happened? Maybe I was just like a dumb kid. And that's why I liked Star Wars so much. It was our age in a lot of ways, too. I think the age that we each... Because we're all the same age. The expectation we had for something to be so great was... It was like we all of us understood that Star Wars was this amazing thing. So the idea that we were alive and we were getting more Star Wars... Yeah. There was going to be more toys for us to buy at the drugstore. There was going to be like right. all that stuff was just so exciting. It, it, I was And I was honestly, when uh, episode one came out... I, like, didn't even understand how bad it was the first time I watched it, because I wasn't old enough. Same, I, I loved it. I actually thought it was awesome the first yeah. time I watched it, because it was like Darth Maul with the dual lightsaber. Yeah, that was awesome. You know? Kids love the prequels. Still. I'm not, still. Like, it, the, I mean, and now they have Force Awakens, and Force Awakens is a better movie you and gives the them what they want. One. But yeah. <laughs> when a little kid sees it, and when I saw episode one, same as you guys are the same age, loved episode right. one. My sister loved Jar Jar Binks. It was not a thing that, like, bugged me. And then as I got older, I learned the problems with those movies. Um, but... When you're a little kid, and even kids today, they love that Anakin. There's a reason that when you look at most kids' merchandise from 10 years ago, now it's Rey and Finn and the new stuff. But 10 years ago, it was all the Clone Wars stuff. And it was all Anakin right. and Obi-Wan Kenobi and like the old kind of like the animated style versions of them. True story. I was in a uh, snowboarding class with Jake Lloyd uh, at Whistler a couple years after that film came out. I, I don't know, know who that is. He's young he's Anakin. Young Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big Curly deal. and Jeff. Possibly um, Oh, yeah, that's right. I yeah. heard about that. Um, all right, guys, we're going to the next part of the show. This is Fist Pump Moment. Yes! This is when something happens in the movie, and you're just like, yes, this is so good. I get to watch the rest of this movie right now. This is amazing. Um, and you just kind of lose it. And it's, for me, 
I said it at the beginning of the show, so I'll yeah. just I'll just say it. Uh, it's the music, and it's when it starts. And the reason that I know this is the fist is, bump moment is for it me, the, it's the actual music. It's not the crawl starting when you see it in a gallery. You know, it's not that. It's just the way that it takes. Well, those you. happen at the same time. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, no, because a long time ago, New uh, a Galaxy Far, Far Away, Silence, and then Letters, Music, same moment. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so it's when it starts, and it's just like, because I remember... Um, Shut up, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse me, the uh, Letters and Music start at the same time. Um, I love, uh, like, when, when the first Force Awakens trailer came out, and, uh, you know, there's been an awakening, have you felt it, that whole thing, and then it's exciting, yeah. and then it goes black mm-hmm. for a second, and then you see the Millennium Falcon fly in the music... I started crying in the theater when I first saw it. it I, goosebumps and then tears. Because, like, there's just something about the, like, heroic quality to Star Wars that has yeah. been in my life oh, yeah. since, like, the time I was born. I mean, it's the original battle of good versus evil. Yeah. You know, and it's, so, I mean, one of them. But for us, it's, like, the most epic original. one. Original. Original, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that is my fist bump uh, moment through and through. Okay, yeah. let's go see your heroes, Cass. Oh, uh, um, so my fist bump moment, and there are a few ties, like there's like Luke with the suns in the distance, but I think I had to go with you, and it's when this, the Star Destroyer and the um, Blockade Runner just show up from above you on screen for right the first the time, mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, these things are massive. This yeah. is probably the best start to any movie in yeah. the history of film, and the ac- the action's going. Like, it goes from there into like a laser corridor battle, into like, just it goes... Full gas from the beginning. And it puts you right into it. And, yeah. you get, and you get the, like, the impending, like, scary nature of Darth Vader. You get immediately. Right. He yeah. shows up. Like, that was, the, that was for me. I was noticing all these things when I was watching this last night where I was thinking about, like, man, there's all, like, Drew and I on the show all the time talk about uh, movie star charisma and these guys that when you see them in the early parts of their career, like Cruise and Risky Business, it's like, wow, like, this person is going to be yeah, such in the notebook. a it's star. Like, mm-hmm. And, like, when Harrison Ford's first on screen, you're just like, how could any woman not love that guy? How <laughs> yeah. could any man not love yeah, that yeah. guy? He's, he's, he's just a stud. You're just like, that's the guy. Like right. that's, And it makes sense that he's the one that had the career after the franchise, really. But uh, all of the things, like, it just starts and Vader shows up and you're just like, everything about this, I'm so intrigued. If I was seeing this for the first time, I'd want to know, who is this badass guy? Who is this villain? He's so cool. Um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I'm with you. It opens right. with so much action. Well, the imagery is really good. Like, this is the production team on this movie. The production team on this movie is what made this movie. They're the reason that they yeah. have basically been behind every special effects achievement up until Jurassic Park. And then, um, and even, like, into, like, they did, all the, they did all the special effects in Terminator. They invented CGI creatures. It's right. the same team that did this movie. Right. ILM, yeah. Uh, I'm going to just throw out a few of these. We got the binary sunset. We got numerous people talking about that. Yeah. Uh, Darth Vader's music, first time you see him. Uh, when Han comes back to save Luke and knocks Vader's ship off, and then Luke nails the shot. Yep. Uh, the first time you get Luke. Okay, that's just a typo. Um, my fist pump is 100% Darth Vader's monologue when he first sees Obi Wan. Yes. It's just. I, I remember because. Again, it'd been so long since I'd seen the movie. I talked to you as soon as the show wrapped last week, and I was like, "What are some of the moments that I'm forgetting? Like, what are the moments in, yeah. a, in in A New Hope?" And you're like, "You know, you said these, and then you talked about that one, and all of a sudden, I got this excitement in me, like yeah. a kid's excitement. I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot." Only you know, like, of evil, yeah, and yeah. I remember, I remember being heartbroken yeah, when course. he got cut in half. Of course, it cut cut in half, and he disappears, and like the scream of Luke is so good. But it's just that that whole scene, everything about it. Alec McGinnis, like, the other thing that I wanted to say is Alec McGinnis is is the only reason that this movie succeeds as well as it does. Yeah. I know there's so many other, but he is just in 
incredible yeah. in this. Yep. He is incredible. He, he thought it was going to be a garbage movie. Yeah, I totally, totally he, understand He's that. made yeah. more money than any other person. Uh, other than George Lucas, Disney now, but George Lucas and... Ford. Um, no, he made more money than Ford. Really? Because he had points. Oh, you mean at the time? At, at the time gotcha, when... Gotcha. No, no, no. In, in a career of movie making, Ford has made more money. Yeah. But off of Star Wars, Alec Guinness made more money than any other person other than George Lucas. Well, yeah, because at the time... And the studio, Fox. And we'll get into Alec Guinness's career in just a second here when we talk about it. But uh, at the time, it, a lot of people watch this and they don't actually understand how, quite how famous he was. Yeah, right. Um, and he was on the tail end of that career. So he, we'll, he'd just been nominated for an Oscar recently. Well, he's a Ian McKellen. Right? Like a couple years before a that? A few years prior, but he had, he had won an Oscar. He had seven nominations to that point. He was, he was a national treasure in Britain like he was well he's, he's what Ian McKellen was to Lord of the Rings yes. where you know you had a bunch of people that like weren't really in anything and then one old guy who's Who here to give it some amount right. of credit right 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 so um but uh, but yeah talking about that when you talk about he gets cut in half like as a kid I remember the fi- I actually remember the first time I ever saw it and I couldn't <gasps> believe it you right? you, you, gasped, you killed the character right? yeah you couldn't you just believe it you were like evil one how did you're like, how did Obi-Wan die? You're like, Luke hasn't finished his training yet. Yeah, and the look that he gives Luke before, it, you're, you're like, as a kid, you're like, what did you do? Why? You just looked at him. Oh, and you Why are you going to die now? Vader's so oh, evil. I hate Vader. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I seriously remember, like, I don't know how old I was, but I just remember the moment. It's that feeling of disbelief that you so rarely get in movies. You almost can't get it as an adult. Like, I mean, I think the last time I felt something so shocking in a movie Departed Elevator. was The Departed. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Departed Elevator. It's just that ping. Yeah. I just watched that for the first time with a friend of mine and she'd never seen it. Yeah. And she literally went, <gasps> oh my God. Like, almost screamed. never happens yeah. where something mm-hmm. happens that is such a curveball. And like, yeah. So, I mean, granted, as an adult, we'd probably see it coming now. But as a kid, there was no way I could have ever seen it coming. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. unbelievable. Um, so let's move into the next part of the show, guys. Let's get into the breakdown of the stars of the film. And as we talked about, I think it's kind of clear for all the reasons we just outlined that Alec Guinness is the he's the top line guy. He's the guy that you're supposed to care the most about mm-hmm. if you don't know what this movie is. He's effectively the guy that they hope people would go see the movie because he was in it. Mm-hmm. And and then you had Mark Hamill, who like seriously actually just looks like he belongs on a heartthrob poster in 1977. Oh, yeah. That's like the feathered hair. Like I think he just had modeled up to this point. Yeah, he's like, I mean, if you, so we'll talk about his credits. His three credits prior to this movie, Mallory, Circumstantial and, and these aren't even his three most, I had to like pick between like 20 credits of like TV series, TV movies, like yeah. quick he's cameos, like, voiceovers. He's was, like a he's like a soap opera star at this point, yeah, right? Exactly. He's on, yeah. Wizards and then The City TV movie. So this is all in a couple years prior. Whereas on the and there's I have literally nothing to say of any of those. I have three nothing properties. to say about <laughs> any of those movies. <laughs> Wizard sounds like it would be cool if I knew it came out in like the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have Alec Guinness, who uh, again, and and I think a lot of people know this, but just to make it clear, so. The most famous movie Alec Guinness was ever in, other than Star Wars. I was going to say, it was Star Wars. And at the time, <laughs> other than the three, you know, at the time, I think there was a sense that people had, like, there's no way this could be as famous, was Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. He's one of the two stars of Lawrence of Arabia, and that's a huge deal. It's a, on, on most lists as one of the five or ten best films ever made. On top of that, he won the Oscar for The Bridge on the River Kwai in 1957. Which is also one of the most famous movies right. ever made. All time. So the guy, on top of those movies, everything from like Kind Hearts and Coronets to like, he was in like 30 or 40 pretty relevant movies for 20 or 30 years. And he, at this point in his career, had had an Oscar nomination just like probably five years earlier, six years, like maybe 1971, I think his last one. But he, at this point in his career, was I think the equivalent of like probably what... 
I'm trying to think like who who alive right now is this guy? Is he's like McGinnis. It's uh it's like Pete Postwaith, even though he's dead. Uh, but he was in the town. It's yeah. that type of guy. It's like a guy that you go back and you're like, oh my god, you're one of the greatest Shakespearean, most respected, classically trained actors of our generation ever. You like every character actor looks at you and you're like, God, if I could just be that guy. Or it's like Peter O'Toole when he showed up in Troy. Where you're yeah. like, Oh, it's a really big movie and you have like not the starring role, but you're a very relevant character and everybody knows who Peter O'Toole it's is. It's just like doing Newman in, in Road to Perdition. Yeah. It's like you take these these guys that are just the best. Yeah. And you have to have them have the most important role. It, important, but they're not the yeah, they're not they're the, not the star. lead. They're yeah. just the most important. Well, they're the, I mean it's a basic hero's journey. There's a main character and right. then there's a old person who teaches him and then has to go yeah. away at some point. And that's what Alec McGinnis was in Star Wars, but that that character exists in everything. Wait, am I wrong? You said McGinnis, now you said McGinnis. And it's written Guinness. It's Alec Guinness, isn't it? Oh, it might be just Guinness. Okay, yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't yeah, know why we Guinness. keep saying McGinnis. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he said it, and then think, it got yeah. into my ear. Even said it, it even, it's, it's not even. <laughs> Speaking, on the uh, paper. Michael Caine is maybe a good one <laughs> yeah, on the right. subject matter of Michael Caine. Michael Caine, yeah, like Michael a modern Caine's version a of that. He's, yeah. he, he is, but he's almost used too popular a, yeah, now yeah, because of Batman movies. Yeah, Really quickly, I just want to do this to a good friend of ours. His name is Jack Senior. Happy birthday, my friend. I know you're in the chat. I know you wanted to shout out. We love you. We're glad you're here watching Star Wars. This is the first time he's not watching the Schmodown live. And it's to watch our show. Oh, because it's happening right it's now. It's happening right now. Oh, don't ruin it from the chat, guys. Yeah, I want to go watch not. that episode. We're going to do it. But yeah, happy birthday, brother. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, the three movies, Murder by Death, mm-hmm. Hitler, The Last Ten Days, Brother, Son, Sister Moon. I have never seen or heard of any of those movies. And you can see the similarities between somebody like Newman, who's, you know, he made a movie in 94, 98, and 02. Yeah, those were his last really three credits. About them. Mm. You know, 72, 73, 76. You know, he took three years off between movies and other. So it's he's at that same point. So you say this is more like he would be more comparable to Kurt Russell or... Um, um, Someone said McKellen, which I think uh, is also interesting. His name, uh, who played the bad guy in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh, and then oh, oh Michael uh, Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Where like they had a huge career and then have kind of tailed off, and then now are coming back in like these roles for being. But now they're the older person in that movie. That's I guess really it's well like acted. hard to figure out. It's like it's or maybe like when De Niro showed up in Stardust. Is he in that? That's him, right? You yeah. Know what? I got something else it that's going to be really hard to figure out. Huh. We're talking about Alec McGinnis. Just yeah. joking. And Mark <laughs> Hamill. And Carrie Fisher and, and uh, you know, Harrison yeah. Ford are also in this movie, and so is James Earl Jones. I've been wondering this since we started this show, and we came up with the segment, career-defining role. Oh, yeah. And Harrison Ford has some of the greatest roles of all time. You can you can even go down to, uh, what's his name in, in the, the Jack? Jack, what's his name? Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Yeah. And then you go, you know, Han Solo, and you got Indiana Jones. So what is Harrison's for, Harrison Ford's career-defining role? Is it, like, without a question, Han Solo, because of, of Force Awakens? So let no. me ask this, just so... Uh, the question we're discussing right now is, what is Harrison Ford's career-defining role? Does Harrison Ford have a singular career-defining role between Indiana Jones, Han Solo, even the Jack Ryan franchise? Does Harrison Ford have a career-defining role? Um who would like to sound off first with their opinion? Uh, it's Indiana Jones. Clearly, you think ahead of Han I think Solo. it's uh, he's not the main character of these movies. He is the main mm. character of that movie. He's basically the same character. There's small differences, but he is that is his defining role. I disagree with you. I do too. Okay. I think Han Solo is Harrison Ford's career defining role for a couple different reasons. Um, in the in the lineage of famous sci-fi and adventure franchises, like in the oh, in the Blade worldwide, later yep, as well. Yeah. In the worldwide appeal that people have for them. It's pretty much Star Wars, and then I would put like Indiana Jones and Back to the Future on the same level down here. Yeah. They're they're very famous, incredibly famous, like mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that's on every nerd's wall. But Star Wars is here. Sure, but look at every other person in Star Wars, excluding right? the old hats of Alec Guinness, yeah. Alec McGuinness, and <laughs> James Earl Jones, yeah. uh, Mufasa, <laughs> um, and 
notice where they went. So if Harrison Ford wasn't in Indiana Jones, he would... And, and the other movies he was in, but specifically that one was the second movie franchise he did that made him a big name, he would be remembered like Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, but which are very fondly remembered and obviously very talented, but... But a lot of people have the argument that Indiana Jones would never happen if he wasn't Han Solo first, and he showed that he was this, like, heartthrob, badass action star. I think it yeah. happened first. I mean, I think what you say is a good point, which is that he stars in that franchise. Absolutely. And he doesn't necessarily star in this one. But I think that when you really talk to people about what do you remember Harrison Ford for, you could ask, this is the question we always have. It's like, well, you ask 50 people in a bar. Drew H., literally. If you were to show his picture to 100 people, the majority would find him, identify him as Han Solo. And I do agree with that, but it, it, it's, it, it's tough. I mean, they're literally two of the greatest, most, like, well-received franchises ever. My thing is... So, who was Shia LaBeouf? His son. His son. He was his son. Okay, all right, never mind. Then my argument goes and out who's the window. In, in the the, Judge Crystal Skull. What's the name of the actress who he turns out is the mom? Marianne is her name in the movie. I don't know her real huh. name. Catherine something? I. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't uh, remember. Yeah. Not so, you Kurt say Indy, and you say Han. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just have to go with Han, but I, I, I really agree with both points. He, he was the true star of Indiana Jones. That's what made him what he is now. He wouldn't have gotten it without being Han Solo first, but I actually think it's because of The Force Awakens coming back around and how important that was to everyone alive now yeah. that makes Han Solo, like, the character. Uh, but then Indiana Jones might come out again, too, right? Well, yeah, they are making yeah, a fifth one. Like but five, I, yeah. I would say that the, the success of Force Awakens versus the failure of the Crystal Skull is a good argument for, to today's generation, Harrison Ford being Han Solo is the more iconic role. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, all right, let's continue to move through the show, guys. Karen uh, Allen. We, there Karen we Allen? Okay, excellent. I'll uh, never forget that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I already forgot who the bad guy <laughs> in Spider-Man is. Talking about. <laughs> uh, so, talking a little bit about production development, guys. Uh, this is not something that we are going to go as heavily into for a couple different reasons. Um, there for a long time has been another Star Wars podcast on the Popcorn Talk, let alone yes. every single other network. So Star Wars has been dissected, how these movies were made, the people behind them. It's not really something that you guys watch, Action Movie Anatomy, because you need to know the truth. If we're talking Under Siege, we'll go behind the yeah, scenes we'll on that. talk <laughs> about the directors and the writers. But there is a couple things that we did want to talk about. Um, we're not really going to talk about George Lucas. It's just kind of like talking about James Cameron and Steven Spielberg. Let's do a 60-second like breakdown of who he is. I mean, yeah. George Lucas... Oh, who he is, yeah, yeah. George Lucas wrote and directed this movie. He is most famous for being associated with Star Wars, but he is not considered by most to actually be a good director. The most notable thing from George Lucas is that he made a movie called American Graffiti a few years earlier starring mm-hmm. Ron Howard. And it's a coming-of-age, leaving high school to go to college movie that, incidentally, has Harrison Ford in the movie in an actually kind of awesome role. He's like kind of a badass like cowboy type of like race car driver. Um but it's not like a big role. He's just like kind it's of kind a, of like the Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused yeah. role. He's just like kind of a tool bag, and but he's <laughs> handsome, and everybody knows who he is. And that's five years before this. Other than that, what's THX eleven thirty eight? Is that the name of that movie? Yep. Um, I believe that's also before Probably. Star Wars. Yeah. And aside from that, George Lucas basically just went on the rest of his career to only be a Star Wars guy. I mean, Howard the Duck. There's <laughs> a good question about that on the showdown. And you would just think that straight up George Lucas is just a bad director. Yeah, I think he's a bad director. I think the only reason uh, A New Hope is a good movie is because uh, of his technical interest in making you know special effects move forward. But then his wife, who he divorced, Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, Lucas, and his producer, Gary Kurtz. Like, there are pretty much the consensus is the original edit he turned in with the original editor – 
was panned by everyone. And mm. then his wife sat down with him for a weekend and re-edited the entire movie. And that's where they cut out the scene where Luke is, like, with his friends at the bar and they're, like, being teenagers. There's all this stuff they cut out and huh. they, read it, they, like, reorganize everything. And the other one is if you look at the original script, George Lucas wanted to remake Buck Rogers. He wanted he, oh he like actively for five years tried licensing it and they didn't give it to him and he's like all right I'll just make a knockoff and then that's the first Star Wars script and there's like an animated version of it out there or a comic book um, and then Gary Kurtz came in and was the one that made every single iconic change to it he made uh, Luke Skywalker teenager he made Han Solo not a weird alien he made Darth Vader Darth Vader like everything was those two and what's interesting is people in here are saying that you know regardless what anyone says Star Wars is well directed I don't care and. Yeah. Agreed. Star Agreed. Wars is well directed. It is very well directed. The yeah. first one is very well directed, but you know, it's things that he's talking about. It's like you got this producer in Gary Kurtz that's making all these changes that turns it into like a a ridiculous sci fi kind of joke film into like a legitimate action sci fi epic. Well also well, also I think one thing that's super, super notable and, and something that I think Drew, you and I couldn't have really quite understood this until we started doing this show. But when you look at all of the moving pieces involved in making a movie, oh, yeah. everything from the stars to the writers, the producers, the director, the editors, the studio, the time it came out, the budget, the marketing, all of those things. It all has to be perfect. Yeah, it's It all like, has to be like serendipitous. It's very collaborative, too. Yeah. You can't really just put the blame or the credit on any one person's shoulders. The only time you're really able to do that is if the same guy wrote, directed, wrote, directed and starred, and then maybe did two or three other things in their career in a similar ilk and succeeded at those two. Because otherwise, people praised Antoine Foucault for Training Day his whole career, and he made one movie that was above average, and the rest of his movies are crap. Like, yeah. Well, it's it's a kind of a lowest Sorry, common denominator Antoine. thing. It's <laughs> it's the lowest common denominator thing. I love you, your movies, I <laughs> Where you're looking at, oh, okay, so he made ten movies, and what is the consistent theme among them? And if only one of them is good, then maybe he wasn't the reason that was good, all the other people working on yes, it was good. Exactly. I mean, there's the famous line from Harrison Ford, to George Lucas of, you can write this shit, but you can't fucking say it. Yeah. And it's like, what they were given, all, they had a ton of talent on this movie, and that's what made it good. And George Lucas is, is a decent world builder and a great special effects pioneer. I um, mean, even like Jar Jar Binks looks great. Yeah. He's terrible. But he like, it, compared to every other CGI character from that yeah. era, and he's the only one that actually still looks relatively watchable, it's just, he's uh, terrible to watch. Right. So Gary Kurtz, you mentioned basically... Stopped really doing much relevant stuff about. And you talked about Marcia Lucas or however you want to say her name, which is very important. Yeah, that was like the other part of the production. I think we should needed to cover. Yeah, and basically they they were instrumental in this movie. Gary Kurtz had worked on American Graffiti. He didn't work on Jedi. He stopped producing. Uh, and well, he had, they had a falling out in the between of the development of Jedi, which is and it, it like is very much centered around why Jedi. There are big problems in Jedi. Yeah, right. Um, so, so, yeah, let's talk Critical and Box Office. Yeah, I want to get into Critical and Box Office because this is just fascinating. So this is produced by Fox yep. in 1977. It cost $11 million to make, and it was released on May 5th for a, a limited release. It grossed $460 million in domestic. 1977 domestically. Worldwide for an additional three hundred and fourteen million. This is unadjusted, by the way. I have the adjusted one already. You do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what is that? One point five. One point six billion. Yeah, one point six billion dollars. Second, mo- uh, only Gone with the Wind has made more money. And so it's, it's a total gross of seven hundred seventy or $775 million unadjusted in 1977. It made 1.5 its opening weekend of a limited release uh, on May 25th, and it opened wide July 15th for $6.8 million. And then I want to get into critical, because this is 8.7. This is ranked number 20 of all time in the top 250. It won six Oscars, and it actually won another, like, honorary Oscar. 
yeah. uh, I believe. So like six and a half, whatever you want to call that. Nominated for ten. Yeah. And Alec Guinness was nominated for an Oscar. The yeah. only actor in this film to be nominated. In fact, the only actor in the history of Star Wars to get an acting nomination. And uh, critically, all critics give it a 93. Top critics give it an 89. And the audience gives it a 96. I mean, this is, it's just one of the greatest ever. Right. And, and Star Wars is so infamous that even some of these bad reviews it got could argue are more for you gain points by pointing out the flaws of this movie and giving it a bad review by being kind of the anti of the norm. And right. so, like, there's, like, hipster-level kind of bad reviews that are out there on this movie. I think it's impossible to properly rank Star Wars in the all-time list of greatest movies. I think it's an impossible thing to do. I don't think you can I don't think you can give it the adequate credit that it deserves because of what we talked about that it's maybe the most culturally relevant movie of all time, but I also don't think that you can discredit it by saying what needs to be said about it because it is the most culturally relevant movie of mm-hmm. all time. The idea that it's the 20th greatest film ever the 20 behind it and the 20 ahead of it, I think you could make an argument, are significantly better or worse. I think right. it's really hard to do. It's I just don't think it exists in the same space where, like, if On the Waterfront <laughs> was listed as number 24, I could be like, well, this is what's important about that movie, and most people won't talk about it because they haven't done their research. Whereas some kid is like, I've seen Star Wars a hundred times. It's my favorite movie ever. Right. It's the best movie ever made. But the things about On the Waterfront that you talk about, I mean, we just had a conversation about this movie the other day, and it was like, that was when people stopped talking like this movie, same because Harrison, or because Marlon Brando knew how to act. Right, yeah. You yeah. know, and it was like, but this was also the first time that this type of level of sci-fi epic had been done, and it kind of changed everyone's, it changed everyone's life. Right. You know? That was also kid-friendly, because 2001 yeah. Space Odyssey came out 10 years before this did, or like 1969 versus 1997, or you 1977. But Aliens, you got Terminator. Well, those are later. later. No, yeah, no, but, yeah. but those movies aren't for children. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're not going to grow up, and then after seeing this movie, you want to be a space cowboy. You're going to watch 2001 Space Odyssey and be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I just took shrooms for tw- two hours, two and a half hours, yeah. three hours. <laughs> So, yeah, I think I think it's just a really difficult thing to do. I don't think you can properly... I, I think the most notable thing that we talk about here is the, is the box office. And I think that's crazy. What, what I was noticing and thinking about last night was that, you know, you mentioned, Kessler, that Jaws is the first. And everybody knows Jaws is the first blockbuster. And that this movie established that they could and would do this. But also... It's not like Star Wars, when they were going into production, making it and promoting it, was going to be... Well, this is the biggest movie in the world, and no. we're spending the most money on no. it, and everyone's going to see it. It was this is just one of those '70s movies, like Drew and I. It's even it, the studio thought it was a garbage fire. There's a reason it's a limited release first, is yeah. because no one thought this was going to be anything, and they thought just George Lucas went into the desert and spent a bunch of money. We we talked about this, but like, there's when you start talking about like different decades, different eras. You could throw me ten movies made in the '70s and ten movies made in the '80s, and I think I know quite a bit about movies. And you would be able to probably find that at least four of those movies I've never heard of. Because it's 40 years ago. You're talking mm-hmm. about 40 years ago. There, I can't tell you every movie that came out in 1977. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Can it's you just, tell me every movie that came out in 2009? No, but I have a much better sense of it. <laughs> right. I, could, I could recall a lot more of them because I was alive. I, at sure. least I've, you know what I mean? Like My point is, when you watch this movie, it's crazy to think this was just another movie made in the late 70s. Like It was just mm-hmm. another one of those movies. And it, this is the one that of all those movies, most of which have faded in memory, endured and actually became what it became. It's such a rarity. It's such a rarity. I think part of that is also, and this is kind of the idea behind blockbusters, is up to that point, movies weren't made for kids. Like Disney movies, and that's it. And this was the first kind of like, 
movie for everyone. And it, it, it led into kind of Spielberg's career. And Spielberg even created the PG-13 rating because he wanted to make content for children that was scary. Right. <laughs> and that entire genre didn't exist until Lucas and Spielberg started really hammering home that you can have these fun adventure movies that adults will like but kids will love. Yeah. And that's what makes all the money. So let's uh, let's continue moving on to other things about this movie that we freaking love. Let's talk about favorite line. Yes. Oh man, um, you hit on this a little earlier with with fist pump, but it's always for me. It's always been the interaction. Oh, it's um, it's Obi Wan's death, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's right before. You know, when last we met, I was with the learner. No, I yeah. am the master. No, I am the master. Only a master of evil death. Only like, a master of evil death. Strike me down, and I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> like that stuff to me is just the like that whole exchange. That, yeah. Is the best. It's the, just the best. The dialogue between them is that in that moment might be the best in the whole franchise. I mean, there's a great moments so later classic. on, and I actually really love the the McGregor and the uh, the Hayden Christensen at the end yeah, of the third did. one. I love that. But like this moment, the gravitas, the acting, what the stakes. Yeah, it's just amazing. Well, I mean, that's generally rated as the second best lightsaber fight in both the, the original trilogy and the the prequels. Purely what's, off what's of what's rated as the best. It's got to be the end of Darth. Darth. Yeah, yeah, Darth versus versus Luke. Luke. The I'm your father. Yeah, and yeah. then probably third is Darth versus Luke with the Emperor. Though I kind of yeah. like that one the most. Because my favorite scene in all the Emperor. The shocking. Yeah, yeah, like. The guy who plays the Emperor might be the best thing of all. He's Star Wars. like he's so dude. good, <laughs> so evil. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. Yeah. Uh, what's your, what's your uh, that was it. I mean, that's oh, you got the same one. Oh, okay, the exact same. We're the same. Yeah, yeah. I was about to learn. Yeah. yeah. So mine's a smaller one, uh, but it, I think it's the best Han Solo moment in the movie, uh, and it would maybe be the one with Greedo, but half the conversation is in English, and that's weird. And then they ruined it with yeah. the DVDs. But it's when they're in the prison, and he's like, and Luke's like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. You just bullshit to the guards and like try and get them. And he like is like talking on the phone. And he's like, uh, we're okay here. Everything's okay. There was a reactor leak, and they're like, oh, yeah. there's no reactor. There's like, and he just blasted. It was like boring yeah. conversation, anyways. And then they. Like, yeah. off. Right, That's like right. definitely my favorite line. Okay, so in the movie. you're flying off the screen here, man. Oh. You're getting excited. Get, get yeah. a little closer to me, buddy. There you go. Squeeze in. Uh, do you want to get into some questions? Yeah, we have a lot of really great questions this week. Um, we have you know, almost too many to get through. Uh, yeah, before we do, actually, I want to address a piece of news, um, a big piece of news. And the piece of news that we want to discuss today on the show is that Colin Trevorrow, oh director of Jurassic World, has dropped out of of uh, Star Wars Nine. Yes, exactly. Yes. I share the Thank same. Sentiments. God, I have had ulcers for two years because since they I put him in Jurassic position. World. So the question we all have is: With Colin Trevorrow dropping out of Star Wars Episode Nine, who is the director that should step in to take over and direct the third film in this new trilogy? Um, Ryan Johnson. He's directing the second one, is he? I want him to direct all of them. <laughs> fair, fair. I love him. Yeah. That actually might be my second choice. Yeah. yeah. Do, do we all have faith that Last Jedi is going to be amazing? I don't have... I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I have faith in him as a director yeah, and a storyteller, and I think the way that the Star Wars movies are going, and you saw a lot in Rogue One, it's just... And, and the audience in general, we just like things that are a little more dark. Yeah. Rogue One was very dark, and I think... I mean, obviously, The Last Jedi, I don't think will be as dark, but no. I don't really know. Um... But the guy is an amazing storyteller. He does so much with so little. He gets the important things of movie making, which is characters and relationships. And, like, I love him. I, I really do. And I'm, I'm really happy you said he's second. Who's your first? Uh, Steven Spielberg. So here's the deal with that one. Oh, that's pretty sad. He was supposed to direct <laughs> Empire and Jedi. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't. because. And this is also why it never got nominated for another Academy Award. Or this is what they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
George Lucas and the Directors Guild hate each other. Okay. And they hate each other because George Lucas refuses to put title crawls in the beginning of a movie. And in 1970, that removed you from any time of being contention or any director from directing in your movie. Got it. In the Directors Guild. Because he wanted the title crawl. Because we get the your fist pump moment exists in the movie because he wouldn't work with the Directors Guild, which made it so George Lucas couldn't have Steven Spielberg direct the last two movies. So and he- so this would like be the ending sandwich moment. Like He would finally get to direct a Star Wars movie because now the Directors Guild doesn't care. I believe Steven Spielberg's a great director. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and maybe the greatest director ever to live. Uh, there's there's arguments for it. I However, feel like he's fallen off though right now, don't you? I just think that Steven Spielberg's style, there's two problems with that. Um, the biggest problem with that for me is that Steven Spielberg has become this sort of stuffy, boring director where his movies, his movies like uh, Bridge of Spies and his movies like Tintin and War Horse and Lincoln, they're these movies that like they don't really feel like they're exciting to a younger audience or somebody who wants something new. They're just, they feel like they're probably very well-made movies, but just they're not exciting. And Star Wars as a franchise has been really kept in this box where they want it to feel like it's always felt. They really want Star Wars movies to feel like Star Wars. And that is a problem because Star Wars existed in the late 70s and early 80s. That's what made it great. So you're asking somebody who's already a little bit dated in their movie-making style to go ahead and try to make something that feels dated. Well, it's not I feel like, I feel like that. I feel like that's... I, I think that's a great plan. You're asking someone, you're saying that his style doesn't fit too much with the sensibilities of modern days, which I don't know if I completely agree with, but for sure. And and now, in general, he's making movies to specifically win Academy Awards more than anything. Yeah. And if you say, you have to make a Star Wars movie in your style like you would have in the 80s, I think that's what he can accomplish. I think that his style hasn't updated too much, and that's your problem with it, and that then fits perfectly with the time period we're looking for. I won't bet against Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Straight, <laughs> if, if they put Steven yeah, Spielberg right? like, on the Star Wars movie, I'm not betting against it. Well, uh, one of the reasons Trevorrow got the job is because Spielberg, Spielberg said yeah. for Jurassic World he was like this guy feels like uh, a young me yeah and Star Wars then be- or you know Kathleen Kennedy right. believed in that I can see them now just leaning in it especially after they got uh, Ron Howard who is a Spielberg-esque yeah. director <laughs> Same kind of to thing. like do the Han Solo movie then just have Harrison. But Richard Eric Jarvey, big shout out. Rush, <laughs> very good movie, 2013. That's very a Ron good. Howard. You movie. do say that very good. I liked Rush a lot. Like I, Rush gives me faith in Ron Howard. It's not okay. a great movie. I, mean, I like Ron Howard, but I like it, and yeah. I feel like he's a little. He's still a little bit closer to anyway. So what do you have? I you're Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I'm Ryan Johnson. And do you have another one? one? Yeah. Oh, no, I just dissected your guys. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know that I really have somebody that I'm fully behind. I like honestly, I, there there wasn't somebody who I feel like can accomplish what I think needs to be accomplished for the Star Wars movie because I don't think they want that accomplished. Right. I, I don't think it needs to feel like classic Star Wars. I, I want it to feel a little bit more updated. Chad there. Stileski? Yeah. <laughs> John Wick. Honestly, if I had if, if I had it my way. I think I would just have J.J. Abrams do it. I honestly was going to no. say J.J. as well, but he just did it. I, I think he's great. I really do think he's I, great. I like him. He, and I love Force Awakens, and I will argue to death that Force Awakens is better than any person considers it is. But I would like, I'd rather Ryan Johnson than J.J. Than Abrams. Uh, I was actually thinking of a third person to throw up. Denis uh, Villeneuve? Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. Is oh, good. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a cool one. Uh, That's very interesting. A, these Star Wars movies are much more centered around a female character. Yeah. And having a female director direct the third installment of this is very groundbreaking, and there's a lot of positive yeah. things that can come out of that. That's actually a really intelligent uh, surprisingly, it's just kidding. Um, Whoa. No, that's, wow, that's impressive. impressive. I think we've been on the show for an hour, and that's the smartest thing you've said. Yeah. Uh, we've got we've got about twelve minutes, thirteen, ten minutes left. So I want to get to a couple things here really quick. Uh, there's a lot of questions out there circulating from numerous people. I was going to go through, but there's literally it was like the same question from like eight different people asking: Would Star Trek have happened if it were not for Star Wars? And essentially, does Star Trek owe its popularity to Star Wars? Let's sound off like twenty seconds yes. each. New Star Trek or original Any of the Star, Star Trek? Star Trek as a concept. I think, as a, as a whole. Oh, okay. Uh, and, original and Star Trek is 
older this, than Star Wars. Yeah, and this one specifically says revitalize popularity. Okay, so revital the new movies wouldn't happen without Star Wars because J.J. Abrams literally made Star Wars A New Hope as the last, yeah. the first Star Trek movie. I agree and he then that. did it yeah. again with Force Awakens. He just wants to keep making this movie we're talking about today. I think that Star Trek as a concept can continue to evolve and exist and live in a different space than Star Wars because I do believe that it's a different audience that likes one than likes the other. Yep. Uh, the, the reason I liked new Star Trek is because I love Star Wars, but I've never liked otherwise Star Trek. It's, it doesn't appeal to the same audience necessarily. Uh, I just don't think the success of Star Trek would have ever gotten to where it was had Star Wars not been released when it was, and everyone was all of a sudden just like, I need all of this in my life always. Right. You know, and then you had a Deep Space Nine, Next Generation, Voyager. It's like all these things came because it was just like, we need more. I mean, the motion, Star Wars, the motion I mean, picture is two years after Star Wars. Right. And yeah. The original Star Trek didn't do that well, then got syndicated, then did well in syndication, then yes. Star Wars came out, and then Next Generation came out, and that's really when Star Trek became whatever level of popularity I mean, you want to say it got to. six movies with the TV cast, like, yeah, between, sure. between was, like, basically 80 and 90. But the, and the first one's not good. <laughs> All right, so coming in with the next one here, I have a question. Why is Harrison Ford the only person who had a career out of this film? Other than James Earl Jones, but James Earl Jones does not count because uh, he was not on screen. Luke, I mean... Uh, Luke had a terrible car accident. On-screen career, I want to no, say. No, 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 Luke, Luke yeah. uh, Mark Hamill had a terrible car accident between uh, Empire, uh, Empire and no, New Hope. Like, that's why oh. he's scarred from the back-to-tank uh, yeah. when the Wampa hits him. That came because he got all these face scars. And that kind of ruined his career as possibly a leading pretty man, and which sure. is why I wanted the voiceover. Like, and Carrie Fisher had an entire drug problem because she had issues that we don't right. need to get into right. on this show. Um, so those would be the reason those two didn't go. And then Alec Guinness was old and then died. And I don't totally agree that those are those are all the reasons because I think there's a lot of famous people that have had drug problems and I think there's a yeah. lot of very famous actors that have had issues. And Luke is still very handsome in those movies. He could still have been a leading man. I think the reason is... Um, the reason is Indiana Jones. I just think like he got the the gift. No one else had that next stepping stone. He had the gift of another massive hit franchise, and because of that, he was getting those roles in movies like Witness uh, and The Mosquito Coast, where really good directors were saying like, ah, you know what, I'm going to put you in something because I think you're a little more capable. I, I said he had the it factor when you watch him on screen. Right, yeah. you can and tell. I also think. Agents were significantly worse at that period of time of not letting their talent become typecasted. Like it's like yeah, Mark Hamill taught the world, and then all the kids actors in the '90s taught the world of how not to do that. Um, and if you look at like what's the kid from Terminator Two also didn't have a career because of drug Edward problems, long, yeah. and like to get out of that drug problem is rare and normally involves heavy sobriety and then someone really betting on you in a big movie like Robert Downey Jr. Do Once think? again, we all know Alec Guinness <laughs> had a long career before this movie came out. We talked about it extensively Extensive for about show. 10 well, minutes yeah. earlier <laughs> in the show. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people in the chat. Do you think, um, do you think there's a reason? Uh... No, not really. I just think it's just one of those things. You look at, when you go and you watch this movie, if there was no sound, there was none of anything, you just watched it. Harrison Ford is the most captivating thing on screen, always. Yeah, his smile, his charm, his everything, his delivery, and you don't even have to hear or see, I mean, you don't have to hear any of it to know that the way he delivers things is, is sexy. Yeah. It's cool. He's just you got know? swagger. He just had the thing that, that everyone wants to watch. And Mark know? Hamill is a character actor in the body of a leading, leading man. man. Yeah. And then was then damaged too much to be a leading man and then was put into this weird awkward middle position alright we got four minutes here right. so I want to do one thing really quickly because we got to breeze through the rest of this rank all nine right now go Ooh, okay, I'm going to go first I'm going to say uh, invariably the worst Star Wars movie no question is, and th including Rogue One all of them, all nine of them. Okay, uh, worse is definitely clones. Then second worst or eight is eight of them. Uh, yeah. 
Well, unless we're the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Attack of the Clones is definitely the worst. Um, second worst is definitely going to be Episode 1. Third worst is going to be Revenge of the Sith. Uh, then I'm going to say fourth worst is... Oh, man, this gets really hard immediately. Uh, somebody else jump in with their bottom three. I can literally... Bottom I mean, three, my bottom uh, three are two, one, and three in, in that order. I think two is the worst, and then I think one, and then I think... I actually like three more than one. Sith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. But yeah, th- three is watchable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would say the Ewok movies. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. uh, two, one, three, and then I go Rogue One, seven, six, four, five. Uh, one more time. Say that again. So, so two, one, three. Two is the worst. Then, I, then episode one. Yes. Then three. We discussed that. Then Rogue One. Okay. Which I actually don't think is as good a movie people think it is. Uh, seven, Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, six, Jedi. Uh, four, A New Hope, five, Empire Strikes Back is number Our, one. Ours are basically the exact same except for I have Rogue and The Force Awakens switch. So in order, number one, Empire, number two, Hope, number three, Jedi, number four, Rogue, number five, Force, and then three, one, two of the uh, prequels. Am I forgetting any? Like three, six, seven, eight. There's eight of them right now? Yep. Out? Uh, yeah, so then I, I Jedi is my favorite of all time, so I'm putting it number one. I knew you were going to say that. Empire's two, then Star Wars, then seven, then Rogue, then, then Sith. Episode one, Tactical Cool. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, I, mean, I know we're breezing through this, so if you want to let us know what your rankings are, don't put them in the live chat. Either tweet them at us. I'm at Andrew Guy. He's at Ben Bateman Media. And he's I'm at, at Cass Wiley. And he will Cass definitely Wiley. And he will 100%. Oh, will. We will <laughs> Let's all. talk. Let's and, talk about why Rogue One is way worse than Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, also, and also share your thoughts in the Facebook fan page, guys. We didn't share our things earlier, but there is a Facebook fan page where you can find Action Movie Anatomy, and you can share all your thoughts there and post your stuff, and we'll start a whole conversation. We're about to hit so. 600 members in there. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, last but not least, should we get into categories? I guess. Or do you yeah, want to knock out one more of these questions? Let's um, knock out one more question. Let's keep it. Let's take it a minute or less. Okay. Um, is Harry Potter the closest franchise has come to reaching the impact of Star Wars? This is by Paul Harris. I like that question a lot. I, I want to say I like thought really hard about this because like no, I yeah, wanna, it you want to say no, right? It, it, you want to be is. like nah. There's, there's only one other, like, there are only so many franchises that dictate having their own theme park sections. There's only, like, Jedi and people in wizard robes are the only thing I see dressing up for book releases or movie releases or anything like that. I, I think they're definitely really comparable. Yeah, and Marvel is not the same way uh, that Harry Potter and Star Wars are. It's like, you can be a Marvel fan and love comic book movies and you love all of them, whereas, like, Harry Potter fans go and drink what is that shit called? Butter beer? Butter beer. Butter yeah. beer at like five times a year and you're 30 years old. Right. It's just like sugar water. You know, like it well, makes no sense to me. Harry Potter was literally the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life other than, I mean, Twilight seemed like it might be, but Harry Potter was just like astronomically larger. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. just going to say, I agree. I actually think Harry Potter is, and it, it pains me to say it because I like those movies. I don't love those movies. They don't feel like they justify the cultural impact that they have. Well, the but books they, do. But they have had it. And I think for that reason, the answer is yes. Paul Harris, great question. Let's move on to the last bit of the show. The question, guys. There are three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Totally ridiculous are movies like Con Air, Face Off. You laugh your way to the bank. They are ridiculous. Totally legitimate are movies like The Fugitive, mm-hmm. maybe Terminator 2, Lone Survivor. They're very well grounded. They hold together. They don't really make you laugh unintentionally. And the middle category is like Point Break and Predator and The Rock. And they're funny and they're awesome and they're driven by one really relevant thing. And... Is Star Wars not... I, where does Star Wars exist? I think the trilogy, every single one fits a different one of these things. So I, think, I think this is totally ridiculous, Empire is totally legitimate, th- and Jedi is ridiculously I legitimate. I threw my pen. You think this is totally ridiculous? 
Well, maybe I'm understanding the categories differently. Well, totally ridiculous is like Demolition Man. It's like it's like it's it's so absurd. I assume that was ridiculously legitimate. No, that's the that's the middle one. That's the good one. Oh, 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 oh. So I feel like you're more in the middle category. Yeah, I'm totally in the middle category. We have to spend a little bit and. I, I have to agree. I, I definitely think it's in the middle yeah, category. I I agree I, too. It's it's just aged a little bit too much for me. But there's things about Darth and Alec that are just so good in the story and everything. It, it's it's perfectly in the middle. Yeah, I said just switch what I said. Ridiculously legitimate. This totally legitimate is Empire, Empire. and then totally ridiculous with Ewoks and, and and there are like great things in that movie, but there are really silly things. I right. put I put Star Wars and Jedi both in the middle. And okay, I put Empire and totally legit. Okay, yeah, I think that's fair. I'm going to watch Empire by the way before our next show. Awesome. I actually wanted to just watch it back to back, but I got too busy. Um, guys, there's only one last thing left to do on the show, and that's going to be called <laughs> the pitch. Uh, and guys, we have a really cool idea for something <laughs> we want to do next week. Uh, we're not going to announce it right now, uh, so we're probably going to put up a poll with a few different options for you. So go ahead and follow. Action Movie Anatomy on Twitter. That's at AMA Podcast. Go join the Facebook fan page because that gets that's all the voting, all of the interaction. Follow me personally at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy. You can also find our Action Army fan page. It's called Action Army Fan Page. It's for, it's for all you guys that are new <laughs> movie trivia Schmodown fans. Um, we really appreciate you guys. We've been watching the numbers grow like crazy. We've gotten over 300 members in the AMA Facebook page. This Action Army page started last week. We've got 160 in there already. We love the interaction. We appreciate it all so, so much. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really, really fun interacting. So if you guys want to share your thoughts there, if there's a movie you need us to do on the show, let us know. Otherwise, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Same time, same place next week. Thanks for coming by, Cass. Yeah, thanks, Cass. Thanks, guys. It was great. Yeah. Bye. Bye, guys. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.